0: Well, good morning, Springbrook. On this very cold day, I'm glad you made your time with God a priority this morning and braved uh, winter temperatures. It's just, it's just been so cold. It seems like when it gets to 15 degrees and below that, it's just like Arctic air that you cannot escape. You try to escape, but you can't. You get in your car. You keep turning that thing up, but nothing is happening. You are cold. And you go into the office, and, and you're cold in there. What's the deal here? And then, then you come home, and you get in your house, and your house is cold. You're figuring out where all the air is coming from, you know, and you climb into bed, and that's probably the closest you can get to fight the frigid air. Well, it was on this week, one of the coldest of the year that my furnace decided to die. Don't you love that? Why not on a spring day in the 30s? You know, that'd be nice. So I went down there and I looked at it. I'm really good at looking. <laughs> my abilities don't go beyond looking, but sometimes, sometimes I'm helpful. And I say, whoa, wait a second. We got the filter caught in the, uh, the fan. So I said, well, I can I can fix this. So I took that off and put a new filter in and got it going again. And, and the pilot light kept going off every three to five hours. So we'd have to relight it, relight it, relight it. We called over a service man and he looked at our furnace. and He said, I have never seen a furnace this old. We think it's the original from 1965. That's 50 years. Talk about a great investment, huh? A Heil furnace. No doubt about it. And he said, this is done. <laughs> so we get a new furnace next week. But the problem is the, the pile light still goes out. So when I got up from my bed at 3 o'clock, I said, oh, I know what I have to do. I don't want to do it went down to the basement floor, laid out, and started the pilot again. <laughs> I was on the phone with my wife this morning. She's trying to start the pilot. Well, that can get really frustrating, can it? But the pilot light is analogous to our relationship with Christ. We always need to keep our pilot light going in our relationship with God. Because it represents our passion, our commitment, our dependence upon God. And when the Holy Spirit wants to move through us, then the pilot light's not on. You're using a gas. So you always got to have that pilot light on. you got to guard it. you got to protect it. It's very important. How's your pilot light? Hmm? How close are you walking with Jesus Christ? We need to keep that pilot light burning. I want to talk about that in reference to discipleship. The discipleship pathway is this new series that we're starting today. And I tell you what, I've been looking forward to this message for two years. Two years. I've we had our disciple driven Initiative, And one of the things we want to do is say, how, how can we better serve uh, our family in helping them to grow in Christ? So I made a call to Bill Mallory of the Navigators, well known for uh, discipleship. And they have a church arm that helps churches develop disciple making cultures. And so we got into a relationship with him. And he trained the staff, the pastoral staff, and I trained the elders. And then every time a person was trained, they would find someone else. In fact, since that point, we've had 20 alongsider groups. An alongsider group is a group of three or four. Uh, and, And what they do is they get together on a regular basis to disciple one another, to encourage one another. There's something that's uh, very intimate about three to four of the same gender where people will really open up and they'll really talk about, hey, I'm struggling in this area, I'm trying to grow, uh, but it's just an incredible way to spur others on to growth. In fact, I've been part of a long-sider a group group, uh, just this past week, I finished up a year uh, with four men. And we met two Thursdays a month. And then I would get together with them individually during the month. And that was just the coolest experience. I've mean, done things like that, but not exactly like that. And I said, hey, this is, this is where the real work is done. And they discipled me and another group before that for six months. And those experiences are just so memorable. And so we call them alongsider groups. They're not a small group. Now, small groups do disciple people, but again, the alongsider group uh, just uh, adds to that another level. And we're just hoping that these alongsider groups would grow. We've had 20 people trained in doing alongsider groups, and everybody who's trained has to go out and look for someone else, the disciple. Disciples making disciples. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this year. We've been planning a long time. And I just want to give you an overview today of what our plans are. Our mission statement. Reaching and building passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Now, when Bill got involved with this, he said, you've got to put a leadership learning team together. And they are going to process with you what this new orientation is going to look like. So we had our elders and several other leaders, and they have met for the last 18 months, once a month, to talk about these issues. It's a lot of time, isn't it? Well, it's important because it's the future of our ministry and how we're going to help people grow as disciples. We changed the vision statement a little bit. Uh, Reaching, we added that. So the idea, of, of course... Spreading the gospel. Because that's where discipleship starts, right? And building passionate followers of Jesus Christ. A well-known passage, the great commission. There, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're to be doing, making disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's why we put so much emphasis on on baptism by immersion after a person has come to Christ so they can tell the story, because it's right here in the Great Commission. And so we require that for for membership. And, you know, I know that people have a lot of issues uh, with baptism. I think I've heard them all. And, And the thing you need to do, I mean, if you're one of those people who have just been waiting and waiting and not taking action, I would encourage you in 2017 to be baptized. Whatever other issues you have, you know, talk to your small group leader. Uh, someone else can be helpful and just tell them what is bothering you. Because baptism is a spiritual step of growth. Christ commanded it and there's something that happens in the baptism. You're not saved, but you're blessed because you obeyed Christ in that way. Verse 20 teach <coughs> teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, teaching them. Now, again, you didn't have the New Testament at that time, but we do. But teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Oh, that's a lot, isn't it? Right. It's a lifetime endeavor growing as a disciple. And he promises that he's going to be with us as we go through the process. Now, what we've done typically at Springbrook, when new people come, we say, okay, well, you want to come out to the orientation you know, with Pastor Dan and, you know, some lunch and learn about the church. And then we'll invite them to our membership class that's about two and a half hours long. And we figured it's not working. We've got to come up with something different. You see, after those two steps, then we'd say, Go ahead and get involved in ministry. Small group hosting, Kids City, a Youth Group, Prayer Team, Financial Peace Workshop, How to study the Bible Workshop, Evangelism Workshop, Leadership Gathering, Women's Ministry, Men's Ministry, Production Worship, VBS, uh, and Special Outreaches. Just pick. And <laughs> you know how people feel when you do that? They feel like they're caught in a maze. You see the people in that hut? That represents Christians who have stalled out. They don't know what the next step is. They're confused, so they just build a hut right where they're at in their spiritual growth and say, I can't go beyond this. <laughs> I can understand why Christians feel like that, but the whole idea of having a discipleship pathway is to lead people, encourage people, to guide people to take different steps, go through different experiences in order that they might be well-rounded. You think about college or high school or elementary school. There's always a curriculum, right? And it's laid out, and they go through the curriculum. You take a job. You might have to do on-the-job training. So the point is, why do we think we can become a Christ follower and just wing it? A lot of people think that. And we teach people that, in a sense, by not following up. With them and discipling them. So many people have not been discipled. And that's what we want to do. We want them to grow strong roots uh, in to God so that they might stand firm. So what we did during this uh, time together as a learning community, uh, we came up with this particular pathway. Pathway. Now, I'm not going to have a chance to go into it all today, but let me give you a, a quick feel. Uh, we start with Connect. That's a person who comes to Springbrook. If they're not a Christ follower, of course, we want them to make that decision. Uh, but if they are a Christ follower, we want them to come to worship, because this is going kind to of like the front door and where we come to worship God together. And also, uh, we're going to start a class called Starting Point, and I'll get to that in a second. The next step is grow, and uh, small groups are really key in growing. We're going to start a how to understand the Bible class, or how to study the Bible class uh, this year. It goes along with grow. And then equip has to do with being involved in ministry. In fact, Pastor Rich, I believe it's January 18th, is going to be starting A spiritual gifts class. How many have been through the spiritual gifts class? Yeah. I think like 150 people have been through it since Rich came here. And it's so helpful. And people walk out of there and say, oh, it all makes sense to me. So that's along the pathway. Now, again, you don't have to follow the pathway specifically. But again, it's helpful. And we just lay out. You can do whatever you want with it. But but. Sign up for the spiritual gift class. It's three weeks long. I think it's 7 to 8.30. And again, we'll be starting on the 18th. So you can write that on your communication card. And uh, we'll get that information to Rich. So we equip you by taking you through this class. And then we help you to get involved in ministry. Now, you might have already got involved in ministry when you first came uh, by being a host, let's say, or working in the children's ministry. But when we get to the equip, we really want to be able to uh, look at who you are, how God has designed you, and what is the best place that you can serve, that you would like to serve. So we want to help people uh, put their spiritual gifts to work. And finally, multiply. Uh, That's a point where a person has become a leader in a ministry. Uh, A person uh, has matured to the point where maybe they can lead alongside her group. Uh, we also have an evangelism class. Now, that's just the top part of this that I'm giving to give you an idea of what the pathway is. Now, what we've done, uh, Rich, Pastor Rich, and Laura Schweber have put together a wonderful class called Starting Point. So, we took the newcomer's orientation and membership at Springbrook, and we put that all together with other stuff, and we encourage people. Uh, to come out to that that's your first step in fact we'd like you all of you to go through it so you can get the big picture Uh, so that starts on uh, February 12th I believe and uh, write that down if you want to be a part of that class I was talking to a newer couple at Springbrook and says yeah we're coming to the starting point class that's exactly what we want they have that first step already what do I do first step starting point class all right We're going to hold it during our 11 o'clock service so that it will be convenient for people. And it will run three weeks, usually the second of the month to the end of the month. And uh, it's just great stuff. I'm so thankful for Pastor Rich and Laura and all their work. And uh, it's really going to be fun to see how God uses that. Now, also as a learning community... Uh, what we did was we put together a picture of a disciple. And again, we spent a lot of time on this. I mean, we'd have homework and look up all kinds of Bible verses about discipleship and being a disciple. And then we would come back and share what we learned. And eventually we came up with this description of a disciple. Now, if you are producing anything, you've got to know what the end product is, right? When they put a car together, they know what it's going to look like. When it comes off the factory floor. Yeah. So what we're doing here is, say, OK, person walks in our door within three to five years. What do we want them to experience if they choose to? And so, therefore, that's what we did. So we came up with share Jesus with others. That makes sense, right? And as we go through, this, through these, I would encourage you to think about your own spiritual life. Where are you at? in these areas as a disciple. Love others by spiritually investing in them. That's a key word for our discipleship culture. Is we take the time to invest in other people, to build up their spiritual lives, and vice versa. Worships God daily through spirit powered obedience. We just finished the A series on worship, Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're a living sacrifice. We are God's. He is our Lord. And through the power of the Spirit, we can obey Him. And that is worship. Studies applies and lives out God's Word. Well, that's critical, right? You've got to be in God's Word. You need to expose yourself to His Word as many times as you can during the day. Because the world is... Sending you a whole other message. And you need to be grounded in the Christian worldview. And you do that by studying God's Word. Serves others through their spiritual gifts. We talked about that. Cultivates a relationship with God through prayer. We've talked so often about that. So that's our list. That's what we came up with. It's not a perfect list. But it's what God led us to put down and say, Okay, these are the things that we're looking for. And so if we look at a person who's attended Springbrook, let's say, from now to three years out, we should be able to see them growing in these certain areas, if they're receptive, uh, to be a part of it. And, and I, it's just incredible. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> you know, we've been, we've been talking about this for the last few years, the alongsiders, the pathway, the picture of the disciple. And some of you are going, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, today is the day that we tell you all what we've been doing and what we are going to do to build passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And so, again, you can just use that as a guide in your own life. How am I doing in these areas? Because, again, life—excuse life, me discipleship is a lifelong endeavor. Now, the thing about being a disciple is you have to choose to be a disciple. Many times people believe, well, I became a Christ follower, and it's all going to come like automatically. And it's naturally growing love for God and get involved in ministry. No, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way typically. I mean, there's excitement about these things. But many times we're getting right down to the bottom line here and saying, people don't know What to do? People are not being discipled. And therefore, as we talk about this second chapter after 20 years in our ministry, it's all going to be about how can we develop strong disciples for the glory of God? We have to take individual by individual. You know, we've had a lot of programs in the past, and we'll still to whatever degree. But what we're doing is we're saying, okay, you know, Who's discipling that person? Who's coming alongside that person? Remember, I mentioned the longsider. Alongsider, uh, the word for Holy Spirit, a paraclete. Uh, just co- it means coming alongside someone. And all of us who have been Christians more than several years know we need that. We need that. If we don't have somebody that we're sharing with, that we're studying with, that we're learning with, uh, we're going to stall out. That's why people need the body of Christ. Now, if you have a hobby, you can say, "Eh, I'm doing it for myself. Let's say you're a golfer. Yeah, I like to golf. It brings me joy. Uh, When I have time, I'll golf. But I can't do it all the time. And sometimes life will be busier and I won't be able to, again, uh, have time for golf. And I determine how involved I get. Now, many of you might be thinking you're going to go on the senior tour. That's a great aspiration. Keep working. (laughs) Or maybe you just want to play in a league on a particular day. Or maybe you just want to golf with some friends occasionally. You determine how involved you get. And I can take breaks with a hobby. I can say, well, you know what? I'm not going to be golfing this year. That's not really going to impact anybody. Maybe it'll make some people happy. I don't know. But... uh... I'm just taking the whole year off, and you can do that. Nobody's going to say, how dare you take a year of golf (laughs) off, especially not your wife. Um, So, I can take breaks. Now, what's the difference between hobbies and discipleship? Discipleship is I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for Jesus, and I make time for it daily. To invest in relationship with God and relationship with others. Jesus determines my involvement. And that's really heavy involvement. Jesus Christ wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to direct you. He wants you to submit to Him. And put your life agenda aside. And it's a daily practice. You just keep practicing every day. And the Holy Spirit continues to teach you. But what I've found is that many Christ followers treat their faith like a hobby. I'm doing it for myself. You know, Christianity is so misrepresented sometimes. Um, Sometimes it's represented as the ultimate self-improvement plan. Right? Study God's Word, and you'll get your life together. You'll save time. You'll have more fun, more money. No, 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 no. It is a soul improvement program, and you're doing it because God has asked you to do it. You see, you need to choose to be a disciple every day. You need to choose to be a disciple because you've got your your uh, fleshly nature, which is still within you and just as sinful. And of course, you've got your your new heart, the Holy Spirit living within you. But they're always battling for your time and attention. And you've got to choose to do what a disciple would do with the power of the spirit. When I have time. No, 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 no. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's the most important role you play on this earth that determines everything else. You do it daily. You keep going after it. Yeah, there'll be times of frustration. You can't hear God. You just continue on. Because you know that you want to be a disciple. And sometimes you have to make that decision to be a disciple like several times a day. Because temptation comes your way and say, Well, I'm going to be a disciple or I'm going to satisfy my flesh. Right there. That's the crux of it. I determine how involved I get. This is really big. You know, people who come to church, uh, they, they, again, they're not properly taught about what we're talking about today. And they say, well, you know, I'll, I'll determine how I get involved. So I'll come up to worship service, you know, once a month. And that's it. No, that's not it. <laughs> Jesus Christ it says that you need to be fully engaged in the body of Christ. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, do you want to be a disciple? Well, I do, but I, I don't want to push it too far. <laughs> you see, the process of spiritual growth is you learn that Jesus Christ is the center of your life. And you need to acknowledge that on a daily, hourly, by minute basis. And I can take breaks. Oh. I talk to people, you know, who have attended our church before. And always oh, say hello to them. And I say, hey, what church are you going to? Oh, well, we haven't been going to church. We're taking kind of a break. And I, I want to say to them, a break. Give me a... There is no break if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You just keep going after it. I don't care what church you go to, but go to some church. All right, get involved in the game because you're not doing anything for the team of Jesus Christ by sitting on the wall. So think about yourself. Is your life more discipleship oriented or is your spiritual life more hobby oriented? Now, we're all at different places on the journey, right? Some of you don't even know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's a decision you can make. And there are some people who have been a Christ follower for a couple of years. A, a lady uh, just recently uh, became a Christ follower, was engaged in our church. And my wife was <coughs> discipling her. And she just kind of floated back into her old lifestyle. right? Now, now she was being discipled. She was being challenged But she chose not to be a disciple. What God would like her to do. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, (laughs) we live in such a self oriented world. When we read make disciples, they say, Well, I want to be a great disciple. I want to work really hard on discipling myself and learning new things so that I can have this great life. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, go therefore as you go, make disciples. You know what your main job is for God? Is to make disciples. Well, I don't know how to make disciples. Well, we're going to teach you how to make disciples. Okay. And again, so many Christians don't get that because they're so self-focused and I can understand it. But again, we need to break out. We need to be part of a church that is constantly reminding you of what your responsibilities are. And friends, there's nothing more satisfying than investing in other people. A lot of you know that from personal experience. A lot of our small group leaders know that. We have to choose to be a disciple. Now, in the way we think, uh, we have pictures in our heads that we reference when we hear different words. So, when I say disciple maker, you have a picture that comes up in your head. It's usually an older person, they usually have gray hair, they usually have a huge Bible, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they know everything about it. And, and you say, Well, I can't be a disciple maker. Well,. What you need to do right now is take that picture down from the wall, because that's an inaccurate view of a disciple maker, and then you put your picture there. What? What are you talking about? I told you where I was at. Yeah, and you're going to grow to be a disciple maker. You're going to have a passion to want to invest in other people, to pray for them, to to walk through difficult times with them. Uh, I got some sad news this week. Uh, Roger Schmidt, who is the wife of Pat Schmidt, uh, passed away on, I think it was Thursday, no, Friday. And, um, yeah, we're over at her house, Rich and I, and I was trying to comfort her and encourage her. You know, the most beautiful thing was, was the small group. They've got a really tight small group. And so they said, we'll do the luncheon. It's a memorial service tomorrow at 12, visitation at 11, luncheon afterwards. We're going to do the luncheon. okay?" and that small group, I know that small group. And they are going to carry Pat Schmidt through this ordeal. Now, Roger's doing fine. He's up in heaven, right? But Pat is the one who needs to support him. Some of you have never experienced that. You've never had a number of friends who really care for you spiritually. And when you hit the wall, we're all going to hit the wall, you can go to them and say, I hit the wall, I'm confused, I don't know, what's going on? We need each other for that. And that's a type of disciple-making community that we are trying to create. Alongside of groups, again, is that idea of three or four people. And that might happen out of a small group where a small group leader uh, will take a man, two or three guys, and, and meet with them on a regular basis and disciple them. Or it could happen with uh, in any place, really. I mean, in ministries, the leader of the ministry has been trained as a disciple maker. And so they can choose two people out. So it's... Uh, It's a very fluid process, you know, it's a very fluid process. You just kind of wait till the spirit works and you watch different relationships and you make connections if you can. But that's the beauty of it. It's imperfect, right? But God will do the work. And if we have our hearts open, if we choose to be a disciple, to be a disciple maker or be discipled, well, it's going to come together in a very, very Exciting way. 2 Timothy two two, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's a classic verse on discipleship in Scripture. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, okay, Timothy, what you've heard from me, what I've taught you, well, you need to find some faithful men that you know if you... Disciple them that they 're going to go disciple others who will be able to teach others also't that great it's exponential when you think about it, you know as i 've gone through ministry and i 've looked at all the different things that happen in ministry and the nature of my call um, there is no more satisfying thing than to invest spiritually in a person. You know, wouldn't that be cool? As you get into old age, and, and I remember back in 2017 when I decided to be discipled and become a disciple maker, and I've had the privilege of discipling 70 men. I just keep it going. Just keep on discipling. Look for people who are disciplers. And then again, if you multiply it out in terms of who I disciple and they disciple, well, it goes up by a great number. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, it doesn't matter what job you have, really. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter how much fun you're having in life. If you want to live a satisfying, engaging, wonderful life, you say, I want to be a disciple maker. I'm going to disciple men. I'm going to disciple of women. I'm just going to come alongside them. And we're all called to do it, guys. We're all called to make Disciples. I love this verse, Romans fifteen fourteen. I myself am satisfied about you, Paul says, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all the knowledge and able to instruct one another. Isn't that the goal? Right? That we are able to instruct others in how to live the Christian life. Paul had full confidence in that congregation that they were a disciple making family. they could help each other. And that was a load off Paul's mind, right? they got a lot of mature people there that are passing it on. That's my hope and and dream and prayer for Springbrook, that we would become even more of a disciple-making culture. And that that would just be part of our culture. We, We would all think that way, right? The best thing is to invest in someone else. I want to challenge you our 2017 Bible reading plan. And uh, Rich put this together, and it is great. How many have read through the Bible? Okay, great, excellent. Well, you know, we want to encourage you who have read through the Bible and those of you who haven't read through the Bible to be part of this challenge in 2017. And uh, we're going to keep going all year. We'll be talking about it, encouraging you. And uh, what happens when people start to read the Bible is they go, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And that's a kiss of death right there. You die right there in the wilderness. And and, and you start missing and you get behind. I can't do it. I can't reach the goal. Well, what is the goal? To read through the whole Bible in the ear? No. The goal is to make Bible reading in the daily part of your life. Right? So you miss three days. You just pick up where everybody else is. Uh, I have to really talk to you this because people get, oh, so i got to read the whole Bible. i got I to gotta get it all done. No, you don't. You just have to read. Just follow up at, uh, the uh, assignment and uh, read. And I'll be talking about it in my messages and we will be talking about it in small group because we want people to experience that. It takes 15 minutes a day. Oh, I don't have 15 minutes a day. Well, come up afterwards and just tell me about your schedule. You know, <laughs> We all have 15 minutes a day, okay? We can make time for it if it's really important. Look how much time we, we make for eating, right? You spiritually, right? Make it a priority. I'm going to have Eric Runk come out at this time, one of our elders, and he's going to tell us about his experience in reading the Bible.
1: Good morning, Springbrook. Pastor Dan asked me to uh, come out this morning to share my journey in, in uh, Bible reading. And my story is probably a little atypical in that I didn't. I read the Bible before I became a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until uh, much later in life. And you might be asking yourselves, why would somebody read the Bible when you're not a Christian? Well, if you didn't know, it's the number one sold book ever in history. And I'm also somewhat of a, a history buff. And so I was interested in that. But one of my friends was a Christian. And when we would have conversations, he would referenced the Bible multiple times. Now, it took me over three years, approximately, from what I remember. Like I said, I wasn't a Christian at the time to read the Bible, but I had it by my nightstand. Um, the first time that I read the Bible, I didn't get a whole lot out of it. And this, I, I, like I said, I wasn't a Christian. The Holy Spirit wasn't indwelling in me. But there are some really interesting stories in it. Um, if you read First and Second Samuel, you know the story of David and Goliath. That would capture anyone's attention. But as Pastor Dan said, sometimes you get in parts of the Bible, it's difficult to understand. Um, but as a Christian, we need to kind of work through that. Joshua 1.8 states, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you will be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now it's a rarity when I don't read the Bible, and it's always challenging. The one thing that I do, I set a specific time at a specific place, and I read the Bible every morning. Some people read it at night. I read mine every morning. The one thing that I can tell you is that I actively read it now. And when I say that I actively read it, my Bible is highlighted. It's underlined. It has information written in the margins. And if there's something that I don't understand, I look it up. Um, And I would suggest a couple of things. If you As you start your journey, I would get a study Bible because it has information listed in it that might help you decipher through some of that information. The other thing that it does, this is a study Bible. Mine has a where to turn when index. And it has things in it such as when you feel angry when you dislike your appearance, when you're making a decision, when you want to know God's will, when you're grieving, when you need guidance, and it goes on and on and on. This is a book that answers life's questions, and you just have to turn to it um, when you're looking for wisdom and guidance. If you don't have time, that's usually the challenge that we have. I would challenge you to make the time. And there's a saying, a lot of you are part of the computer generation, garbage in, garbage out. And think about the things that you you put in your head when you're watching TV or you're reading different magazines or you're on computers. And we do have time to do it. It's just, as Pastor Dan said, making it a priority. It will be life-changing. Philippians 4.8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good rapport, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it, bud.